According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, the definition of worship means to honor or show reverence for, as you would a divine being or a supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. So who or what do you worship? Oftentimes, we associate worship with the spiritual or religious experience or reserve it for a deity. But as we regularly say here on the Love God, Love Sex podcast, it's time to reimagine sex and our sex practices and start seeing them as acts of worship. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Heath Maxwell. What's up, everybody? I'm your other co-host, Jamie. And today we're talking about sex as worship, discussing how your and our sex practices are a form of worship. This might be a complicated or weird or odd topic to talk about, but we're going to endeavor to unpack the spiritual nature of sex and explore how we can bring the same devotion, the same reverence, the same honor and respect to our sex partners. Yes, for sure. And some of the beats we're going to touch on today are worship as touch, importance of touch, its relevance and its meaning, its impact to our sex practices. Worship as taste. What does oral pleasure mean? How is oral pleasure worship for your partner. And lastly, we're going to talk about how to cultivate or develop the worship and sex mindset. This is going to be a tough transition for a lot of people as it was for me. So we want to give some ideas and just have a conversation about how do you develop this mindset? Uh, How do you change your mind about how sex is worship? So let's get right into worship as touch. We know there are different types of touch. There's sexual touch, non-sexual touch, there's collegial touch, for example, in the you know, black community, the common practice of giving people DAP, there is the science of touch. There are researchers you know, looking into touch, and they've identified seven different types of touch and categories with meanings identified. And from what they have researched, they say that touch has been such a critical part of our development from the time we're in the womb to our elderly years. It helps us with our physical and mental well-being. And new studies on touch continue to show the importance of physical contact in early development, communication, personal relationships, and in fighting disease. And I immediately just think about the pandemic and how so many of us were isolated during those lockdowns and even post-lockdowns, and we missed out on the opportunity to touch each other. Mm -hmm. Again, not all of that is sexual touch, not all of that is romantic touch, some of it's collegial and friendly touch, Hugs, for example, Mm. we missed out on all that and the way that it impacted our mental health and the way that it impacted our ability to form really good, thriving uh, friendships and relationships post the introduction of COVID-19 into our, you know, well, into global society. 
because I was once a non-touch person, but now I crave touch, especially non-sexual touch. It's just become a powerful form of motivation and encouragement. And my mental health immediately changes when I receive a loving touch from my partner. What about you, Jay? You know, what, what relevance does touch play for you? Well, before we talk about me, um, I want to talk about these non-sexual touches that you like. Sure. And you said you said that it immediate like your mental health is immediately changed when you receive touches. Um well you put it in the context of like love and touch mm-hmm. from your partner, but from a non-sexual perspective, I know you're into BJJ. Like do you get the same sensations or feelings from, you know, the the touches of martial arts? Yeah. Oh for sure. I would call that handiwork touch. And what I mean by handiwork touch is there are people who have a need to use their hands to create. Now, we use our hands even to create if, if you are programming code. But for some of us in the you know in IRL and 3D environment, there is a need to touch a rock or touch a stone. If you are into pottery, right, to feel the potter's wheel and, and the clay move in your hand. It's this touch that reminds you that you are a creator and you were born and it's your divine right to create and impact the world and make a contribution. And for me, martial arts does that. Uh, You know, you're learning, you're applying your body, you're learning about someone else's body. It's almost like dancing or choreography. And it is in some cases when they do martial arts for film, it's choreography. But you see that play out even in my own work in martial arts, where I know that I'm creating a reality, I am working on something, I'm grabbing a gi or I'm grabbing an arm or a leg, and it has that same kind of payoff for me. And it's become an important part of how I center and anchor myself. That's really interesting. Because I am the type of person who always likes to be hands-free. When I go out, I hate having mm. bags, even when it's raining. I don't like to carry an umbrella. Yeah, I, I get like that sometimes but, too. But yeah. like when it comes to music and performance, I got to be touching a microphone. I love headless microphones mm. uh, or, or you know, microphones that are just um, are like around a headpiece or even lapel mics. But it's something about touching a microphone, having it in your hands as part of your performance. Like it almost feels like, you're with a partner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think to me, that would be the same as the handiwork. As the handiwork, yeah. When you mentioned that, that's what I was thinking about. Yeah, you're creating, right? You're using your building, to create mm-hmm. and move. And, yep. Yep. Reimagine. And it definitely, like you said, it it, it affir- it's almost life-affirming. Like you said, it affirms that you're here. Part of your purpose of being on this earth is to create and to build something. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, now that we talked about that, let's. I, I want to kind of widen the aperture because we're talking about touch from all of these different types of perspective. I'm thinking about you know the importance that is had throughout the ages, right? So when you when you think about when God made His accord with Israel, and He had them build the Ark of the Covenant, not everybody had access to touch it, mm-hmm. or when you think about you know ancient Egypt and some women in their society were considered elite. They would have like jewels and adornments placed on them in specific places. And it's like if someone were to see them at a place or that a makeup might have been smudged or whatever, whoever touched it, if they didn't have access to it, they weren't supposed to. That could have fatal consequences. So it's like touch can kind of signify how important a person or a thing is. Sure. Um, 
And, and it also kind of has implications on age appropriateness for certain so- social behavior. You know, I'm thinking about being touched in abusive ways as a child. Like that's the reason why, you know, there's an age of consent or or innocence of children is protected when it comes to touch. Sure. Or, or like I'm even thinking about the all of the stories and the scandals that have come out around mm. the Me Too movement or, or you know, Donald Trump's grab him by the pussy statement. Like there are all these different forms of touch, like you said, and it can signify so many different things. Yeah. It's funny you should mention grab them by the pussy because that is the ultimate example of violating touch. Oh, for sure. In the context of which we're talking about with worship, it's sacrilege, literally a sacrilegious act. It's akin to entering a worship service at a mosque or church or synagogue or a temple and someone walking up to the altar or the holiest space in that worship center and defecating, just literally taking a big, fat, steaming dump. Now, no one would think that made sense. The person who did it would be probably beaten out of that place. Everyone would be like, why would someone do that? You chose to come here and do that, you are defiling this place with that act. That grabbing by the pussy is the equivalent. You're violating the divine. It's a horrible notion and a horrible precedent to set. Well, you know, it's funny you should you should say that it's a hor- it was a horrible notion. Because when I first heard him mention the phrase, I didn't really think it was that bad. Uh, I, well, I didn't think it was that bad because I've thought that way, one. And that's something I've done with a partner. You know, I think that might be the difference here is that I knew the person uh, who was asking for it. She was a, a partner that I had built that kind of rapport with, which is also a part of worship. You know, knowing the person, uh, uh, having an intimate knowledge of them and and knowing mm-hmm. how they see you, knowing that there's that respect and that honor there so that it wasn't a violating touch or it wasn't sacrilegious, you know, in the context of this worship that we're talking about. Exactly. That is the difference. You knew the person. He was talking about running up on strangers (laughs) because he thought he was the Superman lover. Trying to make love in a club. Yeah, exactly. And just grab them by the pussy. Facts. Right? He's like, they go crazy. They just start kissing you. You know, he mentioned that. And, you know, and we're also talking about a person with, I believe, 16 rape allegations. It's crazy, but it emphasizes the need to create models of touch that reaffirm healing and connection. Which is a great segue into this next beat. <laughs> because what, 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 what are we talking about, Jay? Be, because, because we're talking about worship is taste. Yeah. yeah. And, and if that is not the ultimate model of touch <laughs> to reaffirm healing and connection. <laughs> oh yeah. Woo. Oh my God, bro. When I when I eat pussy, that's the intention that I set. Like I mm. really Healing and connection are definitely two buzzwords that I hold in mind when I do that. That's mm. that's the type of energy that I want to bring to the session. You know, I, mm. I say I say my grace, I bless the sacrament, <laughs> I set the table, <laughs> and, and I, I I lick the plate clean. Yeah, because now you have launched us into one of our favorite topics, the kind of lingus, and I mean. <laughs> <laughs> We can do whole mm. episodes, whole seasons, seasons on giving women head. I mean, it's just one of the most beautiful, 
delightful summer summer fall winter spring all the seasons <laughs> every day of the week and twice on wednesday four times on sunday i mean anytime any day anywhere it is the premier act the most powerful way to worship with and to my partner and there's so much to say about it and we don't have all the time in the world to say it but the most important thing to say is I think is let's explain how we worship. If we're talking about worship as taste, right? Cishet men talking about serving women. What is you know? Let's 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 get into that. Let's explain how how we worship. Oh, okay. So do that. Let explain <laughs> <laughs> explain explain what because I mean I already talked about me. I, I I eat every morsel that's on a plate, and like I said, I lick the plate clean. I, it ain't gonna be no. Man. It ain't gonna be no conversation about starving children in Africa. Like I'm eating everything. <laughs> no, no Susan Struthers <laughs> commercials with the, with the, with the fly in the eye and and Cheryl Crow in the background. We not we not doing that. Yeah, exactly. Nah. Please, please help these pussies. Yeah. <laughs> they just they need help. Just a dollar a day can help these pussies be licked clean. Uh, but but no, but like seriously, what does worship as taste look like for you? Well, one of the things that I've been doing, I would say for the last several months, is this idea of communicating energy to your partner and her body, in particular, her vulva, as you're performing the act. So something as simple as mouthing words, like in between licks or, you know, again, it depends on your partner and the cadence and the consistency they require to reach orgasm and to thoroughly enjoy the experience. But you could be mouthing words like, I love you, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, you're safe, I value you, I honor you, thank you. I remember you even said, saying something like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. Now, it was a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And you can mouth those words, but even more importantly, you can just hold them in your mind right. Right, right, and right. silently speak those words. And I do that as I use my tongue. It's just like you're holding that thought. That's, that thought is top of mind while you're doing these acts, while you're rotating your tongue around the clit, you're saying in your mind, I'm sorry, or you're saying, I love you, or you're beautiful, or whatever those 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 things, affirming things you yes, talked about. Yes, exactly. You're holding space. Yeah. You know, when you when you said that, when you said that, I immediately thought about the scripture that God inhabits the praises of his people, because I always took that as you know, in essence is saying anywhere that I'm being talked about in a positive way, that's where I'm going to be. Like, I I don't want to be anywhere where somebody's talking negative about me or shitting on me or throwing dirt on my name. You know what I mean? Like it's talk to me. Nice has become a very big phrase used on, on dating apps, but, but especially when, you know, what you're saying is authentic and, you really feel that way about somebody if you're not mouthing those words, but holding that idea in your mind when you're doing that. I feel like that's that could be really powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. But let's but let's let's get back to into this tasting. Yeah. You know, I see taste as a gateway, a gateway to pleasure, orgasmic bliss, because some women can't orgasm vaginally. Right. They can't orgasm from penetration in the, uh, in the vagina is what I'm really saying. Mm -hmm. So this type of stimulation matters and it's a gateway to more ecstatic connected sex. And so you do that first and then you get into the penetrative sex. It makes the penetrative sex that much more explosive and connected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's 
been books written about this. The, the most famous being She Comes First, talking about how important uh, oral pleasure is for women. Taste is essential to worship and to the worship experience and is the primary way to worship yeah. your partner. Or, or oral pleasure all over the body, even if it's not just on the vulva. Uh, the, the you know the making out sessions and yeah. the kissing of of the breasts and the shoulders mm-hmm. and you know inner thighs and sucking on yeah. toes like yeah back yeah. yeah it's it's a whole experience and like you said it can make the penetrative experience a lot more pleasurable because you know yes. no woman likes insertion just jamming it in there and they're not ready for it yeah yeah exactly well let me not say no woman doesn't like that there are some women who like that but for the most part i just feel like i was gonna say there's an instagram meme about that where it's like an audio where he's like and he had that big long wood and he just put it inside my ass and i'm experiencing it <laughs> the griot telling the story uh yeah but you're absolutely right you know no one likes that there has to be a way to engorge the vagina with blood and get the spot warm and go from warm to hot to ecstatic to to hopefully orgasm. What well, it's interesting you bring that up because I was scrolling through Netflix um mm. fairly recently and I saw this documentary series called The Principles of Pleasure and it highlighted the amount of women who have never had an orgasm. And and yo, these numbers are startling. <laughs> Sit. They're, they're startling and staggering. um but it made me wonder as we're talking about worship do you think that these numbers are are relevant to the way men see women meaning they don't see them as deserving of this kind of worship because like you know you and i talk about wishing that we lived in a world where we could just provide oral worship just because we believe a woman deserves it just for waking up that day, just because, you know, we believe in the the divine essence yeah, of yeah, a woman, yeah. whatever you want to call that. Um, but but do you believe that that's the reason why so many women aren't experiencing this pleasure is because men don't see them as worthy of this kind of worship? That's a good that's a good uh, question. I love that. Just because ministry, just because <laughs> just because you're you, just because, just you're, because you. you're you, just because you woke up today. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if some men know how to please women in this capacity because cunnilingus and even clitoral stimulation is a mystery to most of us. And I say us because I always want to put me in it because there's always more learning to do. And every new partner provides just a new landscape of learning and understanding. True. Facts. And I think historically in this country, in the United States, we don't have a rich history of listening to women. And we definitely do not see the divine in our bodies. And that goes to anybody's bodies, whether your pronouns are he, she, they. We don't see the divine in our bodies. Putting that together, I don't even think we see it as necessary or as required to do this act, which according to research and anecdotal evidence, it is. That's why there's been books written about it. And women talk about it now more than ever on the podcast and other forms of media. But you know, I don't think there is a good practice of being knowledgeable. I mean, I saw a recent set of memes on Instagram where women were talking about the outrageous Mm. comments made by their partners or men they've slept with about being pregnant. And some of the stuff was just outlandish. Well, you know, I don't have to worry about you getting pregnant if you don't org. You know, it's just all these weird things. And so we have poor sex ed, poor references, and then we have not 
listen to 50% of, you know, the human species around their bodies and how their bodies feel. Yeah, no, that's big. That's big. Mm -hmm. I, I had to take a second to think about that, that we really don't have a history in the society of listening to women. And, and I mean, if we really want to be honest, we don't have a history of listening to men either. Uh, only only men who are in control, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and to your point, there's definitely a need for us to reimagine, I guess, this treasure that we have in the, in our bodies uh, outside of the pleasure that that it can give. Yeah. Yeah, you know, to sure. your point about recognizing the divinity that we house in our bodies, like if it was something that we were made aware of earlier in life, I feel like that could give us a deeper understanding and appreciation mm. for it. You know, our, our bodies can do some amazing things and, and they can bring about immense pleasure, immense healing. Um, and it said we don't even use half of our body's capacity. So imagine if we learn to optimize them more to their greatest potential. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to double back. Can you say more about how we make the most of this worship-centered approach? Can you develop, can you talk about how to develop a worship is sex mindset? Uh, well, like we referenced in the opener, you got to know the definition of worship and you have to see mm. the person that you are interacting with as worthy of that honor, worthy of that reverence, worthy to regard with that extravagant respect, that honor, that devotion. And like one has to really look at touching and tasting and sex as acts of worship. You got to see it as that to develop that kind of mindset. It's kind of circular in that way, I guess. Yeah. And it has to be seen as more than something that's just purely physical, which, you know, yep. to me is kind of what love God, love sex is all about. You know what I mean? Like we're bringing, like you said, we're trying to unpack the spiritual nature of sex. To me, that's what love God, love sex really means. Like they're yeah. two quote unquote separate entities, but they're really to me one and the same. And, and how you yeah, do yeah. one thing is how you do everything. So if you have this mindset of worship about your job or sports that you play or your musical aspirations or whatever it is, if you can apply your a worship mindset to that, I feel like you could do the same thing uh, to sex. Mm. But let's but let's take it out of the sexual context. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago we had talked about working out as worship. Do you, do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, I do. It was about a decade ago. I was talking to you about making time to fulfill all my spiritual practices like prayer and meditation, and then also making time to work out. And you said, hey, Heath, you do know that working out can be a form of worship. It's about the intention and approach that you bring to the activity, not about the dedicated space or congregation of believers on a particular day. And you were like, worship can be wherever you're at and about anything. And that conversation was a shift for me. And I started reframing my mindset about around that. And I honestly believe experimentation is one way to create a new mindset, finding ways to bring that out of yourself through different activities that you apply that new mindset to or that worship centered approach to. Okay. Like, like what, what are some different scenarios you experimented with? Well, 
uh, working out is my number one sex as well. I've experimented with different rituals or practices, even driving, right? Driving my car, you know, I find different ways to practice mm-hmm. shifting my mind around worship. And I, I think that's where people can do too. They can start just finding different little ways they can shift their mindset around worship. That's what you're looking for. Just the practice, just the practice of doing something over and over again, getting comfortable, breaking the discomfort and the weirdness to experience a different level of joy in the mundane that you can then transfer to more sacred times like sex, right? So you won't maybe do it immediately in your sex life, for example, around, you know, in our case, cunnilingus, but maybe if you start with how you sweep the floor. I remember in The Purpose Driven Life, that was an excerpt about a monk who, you know, had this practice of just bringing worship even into like sweeping and, and gardening. Start there, something that you may have a bigger or grander connection to the divine, and then slowly start integrating that feeling and that energy and uh, that will and that approach into sex. And I think that that'll help because it, it's all about establishing, as we said earlier, new models for touch and taste that focus on healing and connection. Yeah, a person has to recognize that, you know, a worship mindset, like we said, can be applied to anything or any context they decide to apply to. You know, when you truly appreciate and honor different things and people in your life and you're bringing your all to these different scenarios, I think that's what contributes to a worship mindset. I'm immediately reminded of Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Even Serena Williams, like they applied this mentality to their sports. You know, they valued their talents and their abilities so deeply that they strive to bring a quality to the game that wouldn't allow them to half-ass or give less than 120%. That that proverbial leaving it all out on the floor, that was their act of worship. I think Beyonce does the same thing with yeah. her music. Michael Jackson, uh, all of the greats. You know, if you've ever been to their show, you know exactly what I mean. It's an experience like nothing else because they apply that mentality. That that to me is is worship. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, that definitely makes sense. Uh, any final words before we go? Yeah, you know, I got have a personal appreciation for the different acts in a sexual scenario, from conversation to kissing and touching to just the various iterations of foreplay to the actual penetration. And I feel like each stage has its own value and contribution to the overall experience. And you can get so much from each stage. And and that's what helps shape my worship mentality in sex. But, you know, it's not always like that. Sometimes I just want to get off or get my partner off and beeline to an orgasm. But if I have any final words is wherever you are in your exploration, stay the course. Give yourself and your partner's grace, understanding that worship is a mindset that's built over time and it's not going to come overnight. True indeed. And we welcome comments, uh, show topics and uh, suggestions. Uh, We can be reached at connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Before we go, worship, honor, respect. Keywords. Take your time recognizing that before you worship someone else, there's a worship and devotion you should give to your own body, a space of recognizing your own divinity and recognizing the divine that moves through you every day. Thanks for listening to this episode. Look forward to seeing you in the next one.
Take care. Peace.